Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Man, we're in installment number one today of a brand new series that we're just beginning. Very excited that you're with us called Beauty and the Beast. And I love the subtitle, When You Question Your Spouse's Judgment, Don't Ever Forget That They Picked you. This is the love story of my wife and myself, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, how many can figure out who's who? Don't laugh. I already know that you figured it out. Uh, I'm not a big movie guy. I'm just not because movies bore me. I love Jesus. He excites me. I don't like sitting for two and a half hours. Uh, even if you, I like college football. If you see me watch college football, I barely sit down. I have a big, I have a man cave. It's a giant man cave with a giant TV screen. And if you see me watch football, I normally watch it like this in front of the big giant screen. I don't sit down. I don't like sitting down. It's boring. All of these preachers that they sit down and they have their little computer and all this stuff and their little latte and everything, man, and their skinny jeans, can't do it. <laughs> got to stand up, got to talk, got to walk, got to be with you. I don't use notes. I always am well studied before I come. I don't make stuff up as I go other than the funny stuff. <laughs> I don't want you to blame God for that. But I mean, that's just not my thing. I'm not a movie guard. It's just boring to me. Again, you have all the movies you want, just make sure they're clean. Could I have a better amen? They glorify the Lord. So, But this movie we watched, remember the cartoon movie Beauty and the Beast? Way back when, this is years ago, cartoon, anybody? Oh, come on, all right, you like more, you more dirtier stuff than that? This is as bad as it gets for us, Beauty and the Beast. So I remember going up to the little window where you buy the tickets, and, and we're, I was so excited, I was with my girl, and I said, I want two tickets a one for the beauty and one for the beast. <laughs> and I remember seeing that movie. That, that's one of the very few movies we've seen together. And, and really, to be honest with you, I didn't watch much of it. I just was making out with my girl. <laughs> Man, you guys are holy. I didn't understand that. I just really did not get that. And, and, and so that's just a, with us, 33-plus years of marriage, can somebody encourage her? Big difference. My wife and I are very, very different. She really is the beauty. I am the beast. Uh, this church is uh, very different, and I want you to know that. This church is multicultural. It's the most multicultural church in Wilson County. Can we give God a big thanks? And we have a lot of couples that come that are mixed couples. They're one is from one culture, another is from another culture. And we've had phone calls like this, and it is a shame that we get these phone calls. And here's the phone calls that we get, and it goes like this. Hey, we're a mixed couple. We're mixed marriages. Is it okay if we come to your church? Isn't it a shame that they have to ask? 
but isn't it a blessing that they call our church? Because we're like, are you kidding? Who cares? Come on, we, we don't care what color you are, just as long as you're not blue, because that means you're probably dying and not breathing or very, very cold or a smurf. We want you. We don't care. We don't even think about those thoughts. And look at your pastor here. I've had a lot of mixed couples come to me and say, Pastor, we love Joy Church because we've been at other churches, other places, and we get the look at other churches. Here at your church, we don't get the look. And I'm going to tell you right now, look at your pastor. If you ever give anybody like that the look, you're going to get one from me. <laughs> and then my brows will be furrowed together, and you don't want to see that because that's when I look most like a wolf man. Don't, don't, do, don't do that, could I have an amen? We want to give everybody the look of love. Come as you are. We're so blessed to have you. But I understand if you're here and you're a mixed couple, I, I understand that look. And you might think, well, how could you understand that? It's really simple. You guys get the look sometimes because of racial prejudice. I get the look when I'm with my wife because of facial prejudice. <laughs> You got that. Thank you. <laughs> what do you mean, Pastor? Well, she's real pretty, and I've got a radio face. And so the look is, they, all, they give me the look. They say, you can tell, how'd you get her? And wouldn't you like to know? I had an advantage way back when, when we were dating. To, to all of you young adults, this is way before, you know, you could FaceTime or anything like that, way before any of that. Uh, you had to talk on phones that were still attached to walls. You remember that? And with the cords, and you could only go so far. And there was no way. So when, when I called her, she was in another state. When I called her, we couldn't see each other face to face, which was to my advantage. <laughs> I was able to win her over with my awesome personality. I do have an awesome personality. You realize that's what, that's what people say about ugly people. And I'm okay with that. And I want you to know, I won her over. I won her over with my personality. She never even knew what I looked like, which is awesome. When we finally were trying to figure out what we looked like, she had to actually send her picture in the mail. I thought she was beautiful. And I sent a picture of, of my uh, body with Brad Pitt's face on it, photoshopped over <laughs> So the first time she figured out I didn't look that way is when we got married. I purposely, on purpose, I got her a very thick veil so that when she lifted it up to kiss me, she was like, ah! But as I always say, she remembered, okay, the cake's already been paid for. Let's go ahead and go through with this. So I get it. You, listen, this is Beauty and the Beast. It's not the easiest thing in the world to be married. It's a challenging thing. And if you don't biblically invest in it, and what's going to happen is your marriage is going to look like this. Check it out. Earl, come in here. Come in here, quick, quick, come in here. I want you to see something. I want you to look at something. Look at, look what are right you spying on now? Oh, stop it. Those are our neighbors. And see what they're doing? They're, they're getting out of the car and they're holding hands. And, and look at there, he kissed her. They're so affectionate. And it just comes naturally, look at that. Why can't you be like that? Well, first of all, brush your teeth. It smells like hot dog water. Oh. Second, I can't do that. Well, why not? She's a stranger. Oh. Oh, come on, you grouchy Sunday goers. That's cute. 
Thank you for smiling and laughing. I appreciate that. You don't want your marriage to look like that. Let's jump into our key verses today from Ephesians chapter 5. These are the best passages on marriage in the New Covenant, in my humble opinion. There's so much to be talked about. We're going to be breaking these down for you in very palatable bites. You'll hear me getting into the Greek language. We have so many first-time guests, as we always do. The New Testament was originally written in what's called Koine, or Common Greek. And so I'm going to break it down in that way. I'm not doing that to impress you. I'm doing that to bless you. It'll bring out a story that will help you. Now, look at your pastor. If you're here and you're married, married, this is going to invest in you in a big way. If you're here and divorced, listen, I do, I do want you to know this will help you for your future. If you're here and you're single and preparing for marriage, this will help you prepare. This will talk to everybody in the house. Let's go together. Check it out. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear or reverence of God. So the whole discussion, Paul, by the Holy Spirit begins to make when it comes to marriage begins with mutual submission. Uh, that word submitting there is a Greek word, hupotasso, which means to arrange yourself under. It's imperative in marriage that we look for win-win. My wife, if she wins, I win. If I win, she wins. That's mutual submission, helping anybody. And we need to do that in the reverence or respect of God. Now, here we go. Verse 22, wives, submit yourself again, our Greek friend, hupotasso. So arrange yourself under wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. How many of you husbands want me to just camp and preach for about an hour right here? I got, I got a couple of preachers. They're ready to go. Now, listen, listen. I'm concerned. This is a really powerful verse, but I'm concerned, particularly amongst you southern men, that that's the only verse that you know. Let's surround this with context, submitting yourselves unto your own husbands. Ladies, you are not to submit to every man, to your own husband as unto the Lord. Now, that's a tall order as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now, listen to me closely. This does not mean lid. It means covering, protector, not stifler. Notice here, even as Christ is head of the church. So in the same way, how many know that Jesus is head of the church and Jesus has our best interest in mind. And he is our savior and protector. And that's the same thing that we ought to be husbands for our wives. To this day, I don't do it always, but to this day, I still open up the car door for my lovely wife. Sometimes we're in a hurry. We can't always do that. But a lot of times when we're not, I can. And I know to some of you young adults, listen, to, to you single ladies, Listen, you sit in that car until that turkey opens the door for you. You teach people how to treat you. And the reason that you allow yourself to be treated so poorly is because that's how you think of yourself internally. You need to understand in God's eyes, you are very valuable. So on that first date or whatever, you just sit there in that car until that turkey comes around and opens that door for you. Now, listen, I know some of these turkeys that may be a long wait. <laughs> Bring a snack. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler, like that. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, again, our Greek friend, hupotasso, unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Now, I need you to understand biblical what's called exegesis. Exegesis means you have to interpret the Bible within context. You can't read your own interpretation into it. That's eisegesis. That's a ditch that'll get you into a mess. So when it says to submit unto your own husbands in everything, and I'm not trying to trick you here, is he talking about everything period or everything biblical? Everything biblical, not everything period. And you need to know that submission and authority is a very delicate thing. And the moment that any someone in authority steps out of their biblical authority, we are no longer obligated to submit to that. Meaning this, the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7, that we are to submit to governmental authority. That's the right thing to do with the right heart. However, the moment that government tells you you can't preach the gospel in the name of Jesus or you must abort babies because of population control, they've stepped out of their governmental authority. Therefore, I, I am under no obligation to submit to them because I'm under a higher authority and his name is God Almighty. And Peter said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 19, you tell me whether is it right to obey man or to obey God. And if the choice comes down to it, I'm going to always obey God. And ladies, here's what you need to understand in a very practical way, and I'm going to share this in a practical way. I don't mean to get you tense, but you'll understand this. So if your husband comes to you and says, okay, baby, we got to spice up our marriage by watching a little bit of porn, you submissively decline. Because he has stepped out of his biblical authority and you need to make sure that you are still under God's authority because you are a child of the living God. So submission, not to everything, period, but to everything biblical. Now, men, going to talk to you. Could I have an estrogen-laid amen from you ladies? Amen. Thank you so much. See, this is not just all by itself. This comes together as a passage. Look at our next verses. Husbands, here we go. Love your wives. The word love is agape. Selfless, giving, unconditional love that has nothing to do with how we feel. It's putting their interest first. So can you see, ladies? Now, now here's the thing. Ladies, if he's not doing his job, you still got to do yours. Men? If she's not doing her job, you still got to do yours. But it's best when we're both, she's submitting and you're loving with agape as Christ loved the church. When you're both doing that, that's when marriages are at their best. That's why to all of you single people in the house, the next most important decision that you will ever make other than receiving Jesus as your Lord is who you marry. And if you need someone bad, you're going to find someone bad. Thank you for that thunderous silence. Husbands agape your wives, even as Christ also agape the church and gave himself for it. Notice that Jesus gave himself. Listen, husbands, your wife and your kids don't need your guilt gifts. They need you. It's not worth you working double overtime just to pay for this and that and the other, and you're absent all the time. That you might sanctify it. The Greek word hagiadzo means to consecrate or dedicate. 
and cleanse it. The Greek word katharizo, we get our word catheter from it. Catheter, uh, medicinally or medically, drains poison from the body. How many understand, ladies and gentlemen, the word of God drains poison from us? How? Sanctified and cleanse it with the washing. That word is lutron, an entire bath, not just a foot washing, but an entire bath by the washing of the water by the word. The word word is rhema, the spoken word. It's so important within our marriages that we speak the word of God over one another. Every day, my wife and I take passages in the Bible and we pray it over one another. Listen to me very closely. It's imperative that we understand that. Notice here that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot. The Greek word spilos, which means a stain, and it's talking about no sin, not having spot or wrinkle. The Greek word wrinkle is Botox. <laughs> I, I, when I say that because of what's happening, I have got to look straight at the ground and not at anybody. <laughs> or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. The word blemish in the Greek is clearasil. And so I want you to know <laughs> that I've done my homework. Now, this is one of the most uh, misinterpreted verse is in the Bible. I hear it misused all the time. And people will quote this and say, see, Jesus is coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. And so therefore, we know he's not coming back today in the, to rapture us because the church is not there. Listen to me very closely. That's not the, what that verse says. You're, you're, you're reading something into it that it does not say. The Bible here says that Jesus will present Present the church. This is talking about after we go through the judgment seat of Christ, because then and only then we'll have no sin in our life. Uh, how many understand that God never, ever, ever, ever expects you to be sinless? He does expect us to sin less. But as long as we live, we're all going to have some spots, some wrinkles, some blemishes, and you know, and I know, in the end days, there's going to be major revival in the church. There are 560-some people that have given their lives to the Lord just here in the church over the last year. How many know I led Fernando to the Lord on Friday? He's just a babe in the Lord. And, and it, in order for all of us to have no spot, wrinkle, or blemish, then we can't get anybody saved. That's crazy. That's not what's being talked about. Now, I do believe with all of my heart that before the Lord comes back, his bride will be solely engaged for him. I believe that. No question about it. But we're not going to be without spot till we go through the judgment seat of Christ. But in the meantime, here in the marriage context, it's imperative that we wash one another by the washing of the water by the word. Now, let me break it down. I'm going to give you, as I always do, I take these verses. I'm going to give you six marriage mandates. How bad can it be? It's only six. Six marriage mandates that will really begin to invest in your marriage. And I think this is going to help you in a great way over the next couple of weekends, help you towards your future. And I'm so pleased to share them with you. Number one, getting married is easy. Staying married is hard. And you just need to know that. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And, and I, I want you to get this. About 30-something years ago, I had horrible cardiovascular challenges. Could barely walk, barely talk. I could not do any chores. I couldn't lift anything heavy. 
If I walked for about 200 yards, I would experience angina or tachycardia. It was an awful period of time in my life. Think about that. 30-something years ago, I was seven. <laughs> it's way too young to experience cardiovascular challenges. My wife, during that period of time, was an extended period of time for months. She had to do all the chores. She had to do all the difficult things around the house. It was very, very difficult on both of us, but particularly her. Getting married is easy. Staying married is hard. I'm looking back there at Jim and Mary Goldner, Pastor Dave's parents. And they're going to be married coming up on 70 years. They just moved from Florida to be here, and it's not the easiest thing. Mary's experiencing some challenges physically. Jim has had to take care, and it's a challenging, challenging, challenging thing, folks. And we get this idea because of silly shows like The Bachelor or Bachelorette that that's what, and what the culture teaches you on TikTok, that this is what marriage is all about. Getting married is very easy. It's expensive, <laughs> but it's easy. Staying married is hard. It's a challenge because you're very different. How many have been married for more than three seconds? Then you realize there's differences between you. Isn't that true? I mean, may, my wife and I can't tell you how different that we are. My, I am the accelerator. She's the brakes. How I many know that's why God brought us together? Because if you're all accelerator, man, you're just, you're going, you're getting somewhere, but you're running over everything and running off of cliffs. But if you're all brakes, you're not going anywhere. So she needs me. Boy, does she need me. We need one another. She helps me stop and smell the roses, and I help her run over some of them. <laughs> I mean, just a microcosm of, of how we live our lives. If you ever see us parking somewhere and, and, and going to Walmart or whatever, normally you see this. I'll try to go and get the door for her, but then I'm a go-getter. I, I don't shop. I hunt. And I, everything, I have really long legs and everything. I'm, I'm a go-getter. I'm a, I'm a conqueror. I'm an accomplisher. So everywhere I go, I'm always walking like the, you know, Bigfoot. Yeah. How many know what I'm talking about? And my wife, she's like Morticia on the Adams Family. <laughs> See, people are real quiet until I do something ridiculous. And so that's not a good combo. So most of our, to anywhere, we're anywhere, I'm always going... Honey, come on up here. Come on. I'm, honey, this is not Saudi Arabia. Get up here with me. Put your burqa down and get over here for just a minute. Every time I say that, people Google and it just means clearing your throat. That's all it means. Getting married is easy. Staying married is hard. Go take some investment. Second thing that you need to know, and it's true, takes a day to have a wedding, takes a lifetime to have a marriage. This culture, young people, you're focused on a day. And I don't want to take away your day from you. It's a beautiful day. It's, it's, that's fine. You've got one day that's all about you and all about your little wedding dress and all about the thing. Now, if, if we're going to be honest with can I be honest with one another? As a, as a pastor that has done weddings over the years, you know it. If you, anybody now has ever been a bridesmaid or a groomsman? These turkeys that are getting married are making you pay $300 to get a stupid dress you're never going to ever wear. These are not your friends. <laughs> it's, it's easy. It takes a day to have a wedding. 
But it takes a lifetime to have a marriage. And we focus so much on the day. It's all about, well, what color? And they're going to do this. We're going to do that. And again, I don't want to take away the day from you. But dear me, if your whole relationship revolves around the day, you're going to wake up in the honeymoon to a stranger. Because it's got to be more than a day. You have to prepare for a lifetime. That's why here at Joy Church, we have staff pastors that do our weddings. But we will not marry you as by policy until you go through three premarital. They're free. Three free premarital wedding marriage classes, not wedding, marriage classes to help you prepare for a lifetime, not for the day. We won't marry you until then because we want to set you up for success, not for a day. And we focus in this culture. And and again, again, I want you to have a nice venue. But dear me, can't you people, why do you people have to find a venue that's two and a half hours away in the middle of nowhere... Why can't you have it at a church five minutes away where we can find it? <laughs> and of course, I'm kidding, but I'm not. I'm, all, I'm trying to show <laughs> that you're idiots and you need to come get it together. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But I do want you to understand if you're just simply preparing for a day. And I watch this one, too. Weddings are so expensive. People go into major debt major debt for a day that now you've got to live out for a lifetime. That's not wise, folks. Marriage is challenging enough without you having to deal with financial issues. So again, I'm not trying to take it with a romance or the fun or the day. You know, everybody gets the day where you come out and you're the, you do the funny dance down the, that, 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 you know, you think you're being so original and all the bridesmen and grooms are going down the dance. Look at us, look at us, look at us. We, we've seen that before. You can't dance. It's not original. You look dumb. You got no rhythm. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just having fun today, everybody. I, I love Jesus and I'm full of joy and and you, you're going, yeah, you're full of something, Pastor, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I really do love the Lord, and, I, and, I, and I'm really trying to teach you a principle. I want you to enjoy your day, but I want you to prepare for a lifetime. Third thing that you need to know, number three, marriage is not a ceremony. It is a covenant. And that's what you, you, you this culture does not teach you that. The word covenant in the, in the Greek language means to cut. In the old covenant, literally when Jonathan or David or whoever was making covenant with one another, they would... They would cut their hands to the point where it shed blood and then they would shake hands. It was that kind of a real dignified, honorable thing. It was really meant something. And the marriage covenant was never designed to be a ceremony. All the things within it always meant something covenantally. The Bible speaks of marriage as a covenant in Proverbs 2 and Malachi chapter 2. It is a covenant. It is not a ceremony. That's why we celebrated communion in our marriage covenant because communion, we show the death of the Lord Jesus Christ through the little bread and through the juice. Covenant. And, and you, even when you do the cake thing, you know, where you give each other a bite of cake, I watch all these couples, they jam it into one another's faces. I told my wife, don't, don't be jamming that into my face because that was supposed to be a part of the covenant. In a covenant, in the old covenant, they would feed one another. And everything, even when you, when you, got, when you got the, uh, the, the, the 
the dad of the bride, and they're walking down the aisle, and, and the, the preacher says, who gives this wife? You know, you know me and my, my wife do. That had a covenantal meaning. You're literally transferring the covering of the father to the covering of another young man. That's a very important thing. That's why, I mean, when I, and you, you young people, when I, when I wanted to get married to Miss Ann, I asked her dad for her hand in marriage because it was, a, it was a covenantal thing to do. I said, I like her hand in marriage, and I also like the rest of her. Because <laughs> I find that lovely as well. <laughs> but I did ask dad. It's an honorable thing to do. It's the right thing to do. This isn't just a ceremony. It really is covenant. And it's, you say, well, that's old-fashioned. It's not about being old-fashioned. It's about being biblical. It's about treating something with honor, not something so flippantly. Fourth thing that we need to understand, and it is true, covenant is not a contract. Contracts can be broken. Covenants are permanent. And they're intimate. You know, and I know, you know, we, we have, well, we meet people that come uh, from California or wherever they're escaping from California and coming here and they're moving here. We meet them almost every week in the visitor reception room. We're so honored to have you. What a blessing it is to have Callie in the house. And, and, and it's such a beautiful, and they're buying houses here and sometimes they'll buy a house sight unseen. They just see it online. They've never actually been in the house. They have to do it that way. Guys, this is not a house buying contract. Marriage is a covenant. It's supposed to be permanent. It's supposed to be intimate. Now, now, let me talk to everybody here. I want everybody to look at me for a second. Because I also realize as a pastor of a very large church, we're dealing with all kinds of people at all kinds of stations in life. And I get that. And so we want to always teach the ideal. And we'll never compromise on that. But we also want to help you in the real. When you fall short of the ideal, we want to help make as much lemonade out of the lemon in the real. So if you're here today, and I know there's a bunch of you, you're divorced. Listen, we're not throwing rocks at anybody. That's not what we're about. We're not about uh, your past. We, we, you can't go back and unring that bell. You can't go back and unscramble that egg. Here at Joy Church, we want you to know divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Can I have a better amen? God hates divorce, but he loves divorcees. So no, this is a great place to heal. I want you to understand that. But I don't want you to tell me that, okay, Pastor, I'm on my third marriage or my fourth marriage. No, no, no. I need you to tell me this is your last one. Because in the same vein that we want to welcome you and love you and help you pick up your pieces in life, I cannot cheapen marriage from a biblical standpoint. I can't do that. If you're here today and you're married, you're stuck and loving it. It all depends. And, and take, other than adultery or abuse, take divorce off the table. I'm watching too many Christians just simply because they can't get along. Nowhere in the Bible can you find that. I'm watching too many Christians cheapen the covenant of marriage. It is time that we strengthen the covenant of marriage. So I was very, very loving and kind to you over here, and I'm, we're going to keep being that way. But in the same vein, I want to strengthen the marriage covenant here in the house because it's under attack by the enemy, and we've cheapened it. I, well, I just don't get along with her anymore. Well, toughen out, Junior. You married her. 
Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. Get some counseling. Get some help. Walk in love. Act. Act like you love her. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. We've got to strengthen the marriage covenant. Because you know now, 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 let's own some things, can we? Look at your past. Let's own some things. In this country now, we no longer even hardly know what the marriage covenant is. It's been so watered down in so many different ways. But I think it lies a good bit at the foot of the church because we have cheapened the marriage covenant. Now this culture has brought in everything and anything into the marriage covenant. But it's because we cheapened it ourselves. So we need to strengthen it. So I want you to know, if you're here today and you're remarried or you're divorced and you want to get married again, we've got nothing but grace and help for you. But if you're here today and you are married, let's strengthen that covenant. Come on, take divorce off the table. My wife and I have never, nor we will we ever, nor will we ever. We don't joke about divorce. We don't threaten divorce when we're mad. We threaten murder. We'll kill you. I'll kill you too. I'll kill you in the name of the Lord. I'll kill you in the name of the Lord. Of course, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding about taking divorce off the table. We don't joke about it. We don't threaten it. It's not an option for us. Now, biblically, adultery and abuse, no question about it. If that's what you're walking through, you have that option. And listen to me, if you're here and you're being physically abused, you need to love from a distance. You get out of there, and you get out of there right now. Love from a distance. Be safe. Keep your kids safe. We're not telling you nonsensical things. But you do need to understand, let's strengthen this thing. Helping anybody. And then number five, check it out. Staying married is not about staying in love. Staying married is about keeping a covenant. Now, I'm not telling you that it ought to be stoic and there ought to be no emotions in it, dear me. I'm not telling you that. Not, you know, this is Sparta. We, you know, we, we, we just, this is, no, 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 no. My wife and I have lots of emotions for one another. But I promise you, we do not base our marriage on emotions. There are times where she wakes up and I wake up and we don't feel a blooming thing. Feelings are meant to be felt, but they're not meant to be followed. Let your feelings in the car, just don't let them in the driver's seat. If you walk in love by choice, the feelings will come. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. The feelings will come. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. They're up and down. If you follow your feelings, I'll follow you to jail. And the old covenant term, Baal, will take on a whole new meaning for you. You can't follow your feelings, and of course not in marriage. Again, I thank God. My wife and I love each other very much. We don't have a ministry marriage that's convenient. It's legit. It's a really great marriage. But we got to work at it, and we have to invest in it. And we have challenges just like you have challenges. We have differences just like you have differences. Sometimes we feel stuff. Sometimes we don't. But we are committed to one another. I wouldn't want to be married to any other human being on the planet. There is nobody that drives me crazier, and there's nobody I'm, I'm crazier about. You guys are so holy. One day I'm going to grow up and be just like you. Sixth thing you need to know, and it's a shame that I got to talk about it, but I do. Marriage is a male and female who make vows with each other before God 
almighty. And it's important, folks. And it's a shame that I have to describe it, but I'm simply following the words of Jesus Christ. We live in a culture where it no longer knows or understands that that what is what biblical marriage is. People that say that they're Christians don't believe that, but I don't know about you, but if you say you are a Christian, you should follow what Christ taught. I've heard this said, well, Jesus didn't say anything about, you know, homosexuality or let you. Yes, he did. You're sadly mistaken because you don't understand the Greek language in Matthew chapter 15. But Jesus Christ clearly defined what marriage was in Matthew 19, 1 through 6. And in doing so, he went back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And he said, from the beginning, this is what marriage was defined as. One man, one woman before God Almighty. This is Jesus' words, not mine. So therefore, you have to understand, Jesus defined what marriage was, so he did not have to define what marriage was not. It's not this, it's not that, it's not the other, it's not this. No, he defined what it was. That's it. If I write a cookbook, which I'm not going to because I cannot cook. <laughs> if I write a cookbook, and at the very beginning of, uh, of the book, after I give credit to my wife and, and all of this, I say, every recipe in here does not contain sugar because I'm a healthy eater. and da, da, da. Every recipe in here does not contain sugar. Now, every time I go to a new recipe per chapter, I don't have to define, this does not contain sugar, this does not contain sugar, this does not contain sugar. Why? I've already defined each recipe at the beginning. This is the way it is. Therefore, I don't have to define what it's not. Now, listen, lest you think, because right away, you, you know, you, in this culture, it takes courage to do what I'm doing. That's why you need to pray for your pastor, because I'll get all the heat for this. But these are Jesus' words, folks. This is, I'm a follower of the Lord, and so I follow him. And he's not trying to be the cosmic killjoy in the sky. He's the creator, Romans chapter 1. Therefore, he understands. He's saying, look, I made you a Chevy. Follow the Chevy manual. Because when you follow the Chevy manual, your vehicle will purr like it's supposed to. If you take a Chevy and follow the Ford manual because you think you know better, your car is going to break down on the side of the road. I'm not trying to be mean, God speaking. I'm simply the creator, and I love my creation, and I know how it functions best. I tell a story often, and it's a true story. Of a guy broken down on the side of the road, car won't start, in the, in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone range, nothing, can't get a hold of anybody. All of a sudden, a beautiful, fancy car with a driver pulls up. There's a very fancy, well-clad man in the back seat. He gets out. And he says, sir, what, what's going on? What's the problem? He said, I can't get the car started. He said, can you pop the hood? Let me take a look at it. Well, sir, you're dressed so nicely, I don't... I don't want you to have to do that. And he said, no, I'd be glad to. Popped the hood, looked under it, did a few things. Took him about a minute and a half to try it. Turn it over. Get, you turn the ignition. Guy turned the ignition, boom, purrs just like that. This is a true story. So, sir, I got to ask you, you're so well dressed. You got a driver. Who are you? He, he said, I'm Henry Ford. 
That's one of my vehicles. I hate it when they're broken down on the side of the road. God, ladies and gentlemen, is our creator. And he hates it when we don't follow the manual because he knows that our cars will be broken down on the side of the road. So let's simply follow the manual, follow the recipe. And when we do, our lives and our relationships will be so much more centered and so much more peaceful and so much more successful. Marriage is a male and female who make God be vows before each other and before God Almighty, and it is intended to be for a lifetime. So may I challenge everybody in the house? Come on, you're married, you're divorced, you're single, whatever the case may be, let's strengthen. Let's, let's do what the beast did and the beauty did. Let's learn a few of these principles. Let's strengthen the marriage covenant because our church, our country, uh, it will only be as strong as our families, which will only be as strong as our marriages.